Welcome back as the IFC presents another episode of the Archetypes of Destiny. My name is James Malamus. We've got a great episode for you. Today, we introduce our new series, The Four Archetypes. We will discuss the resolution of the glitch, part one. It's a great discussion and we can't wait for you to hear it. If you enjoy the IFC's podcast and want to support, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. So without any further ado, Dr. Al Samurai, take it away. Welcome back to the IFC's Individuation Podcast. We are calling this podcast now The Four Archetypes. So it will no longer be the IFC's Individuation Podcast starting today. So welcome back to The Four Archetypes. And as you know, um, Dr. Eric Tomlinson is usually here with us. He is not, he is not feeling great. So we wish him all the best. Dr. Lisa Hong is with us, and today, um, a new addition to our podcast, we are very excited to have Whitman with us, and Whitman, I'm going to just talk a little bit about your background, Whitman. Um, He has a background in international public relations and communication, Um, As a consultant uh, within uh, several countries around the world, Uh, he's worked in multiple continents uh, in Europe and the Middle East, um, as well as the Americas. He has worked on research projects assessing the potential social impact of energy projects in Iraq. He has also worked on humanitarian aid, relief, field projects in the U.S. and internationally. And a very welcome, welcome to our um, new member of the four archetypes, uh, Whitman. How are you feeling today, bro? Feeling pretty well. Thank you very much for the introduction. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, feeling feeling well and uh, excited about this uh, podcast and the opportunity to share what i can share and contribute the way i can uh, contribute so uh yeah i'm i'm excited this yeah, is, we're this is excited my first too. podcast ever so huh? that's fantastic yeah well we've been doing it for a while you are um um you're among seasoned hands so we will try to bring you in as um yeah. as easy and as best as we can into the podcast but we're pretty uh we're pretty flexible here lisa how you doing hi yeah. happy to be here it's nice to welcome wit whitman <laughs> nice to have you here and it's really fun to uh, exciting to be back on a new chapter here cool. so today we are going to go into sorry wit go ahead I said thank you and good to see you, Lisa. Yeah. So today, as uh, we have talked about, we are going to talk about uh, JAMP and the resolution of the glitch. We wanted to just introduce uh, topics from JAMP and the resolution of the glitch. So it's not a, a it's not a whole book review, but we're gonna. Uh, review some concepts, some ideas from the book, just to kind of uh, help people understand uh, what 
Jamp is about, uh, what the glitch is about, uh, what are we trying to resolve? What does this mean? Uh, what is Jungian advanced motor processing? We call it Jamp, and it's like an inside code word, it seems. that Not everybody knows what Jamp is, so it stands for Jungian advanced <laughs> motor processing. And it basically, uh, we work on resolving um, traumatic affect from the psyche. So in like a, in a nutshell, if somebody asked me, what do we do? So that's huge. Yeah. Do you want to say something with, about no. that? No, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. That's my, that's yeah. Um, it provides yeah. hope. It provides an idea it's, that there's an out. <laughs> Yeah. I think that the the ability to be freed up so you can go about your day without being harassed from internal sources is what we try to work through as like in simple terms. So you're not constantly harassed by voices, thoughts, ideas, self-defeating concepts. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, that's never going to happen. That, that sense of doubt, that sense of gloom, that sense of doom. Um, you don't have to live with it. You don't have to worship at its altar. Ooh, that's a that's a good topic right there in itself. <laughs> yeah, so worshiping at the altar, what do we do when we're um, haunted mm -hmm. by places or things that we've seen, um, experiences that we've had? Do, do you want to say something to that, Lisa? Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, well, when you're describing the glitch, have we used that word yet? The glitch, that that place where you just, you know, like Max, do you guys all remember Max Hedron? I'm an 80s kid, so they got Max Hedron, he just repeats himself. It's just, it's just that glitch. It just, mm. it's redundant, it's predictable, and it's the same. Yeah. And so... What happens, there are these moments that you do and and it's you're stuck in that time warp of uh, hanging on to these old ghosts. Maybe I've seen people avoid things, like vehemently even. Mm. Or um, I've seen people who uh, covet precious memories so tightly. And the memories can be wonderful memories or just uh, meaningful memories or traumatic memories um, mm -hmm. where they hold it, an event, and identify themselves with it. And therefore, they are inseparable in, in their identity from that point on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The event imposes <laughs> itself. Mm. So it becomes an imposition. It becomes like something has been acquired 
and now seems to function on its own. So the event itself, the um, the trauma itself creates these other pieces that are independent of the trauma. They no longer belong to the trauma. They no longer belong to the individual. They're somewhere in between. So what and happens is- Can is you that provide an example of that? I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you. No, no, go and, ahead. And if, you, and if you prefer, I can wait until you're, you finish like that whole complete thought but no no just for the you know for the newbies like myself who yeah. uh, who know nothing you know about this um modality is yeah. that a fair term yeah um yeah so if you think about it you let's say you're you're, you're taking a walk it's a nice summer day the sun is shining you're taking a walk and you hear screeching cars and you look and you see something that flies up in the air you're not really sure what flew up in the air you know it could be a person it could be a thing okay so this is the event this is the trauma right so everything that happens from that point on is not going to be remembered You saw something in the air. That's all That's all you needed to disassociate. You didn't want to see it come down. You didn't want to see it fall on the top of the car. You didn't know what it was exactly. What You didn't want to think anymore. So what the, the brain's natural defense mechanism is to disassociate. I don't see it. So how do we, how does human beings deal with unbearable pain? They disassociate. When physically they can't take um, how, how bad it feels, they disassociate. They're no longer in their bodies. They're no longer <laughs> present in the moment. But whatever is happening in the moment is being taken in. So it no longer belongs to you and it no longer belongs to the moment. Yet in between that, you have access to it and it has access to you more importantly. Your access is limited. You don't know exactly what it is that's making you feel awful. You do know it's connected to this event, but you're not exactly sure which part of it. So you have access to it. It's limited access, but you have access to it. But more importantly, it has access to you. The event has access to you, meaning that you are going to relive certain parts, very painful parts of the event. And every time you relive them, you're going to feel them exactly the way you felt that day. Now, it doesn't feel exactly like it because that day, that was a new thing that sprouted in consciousness that was disturbing. But within that, it's going to feel so close to it that it's going to drag you back to that day. 
drag you back to that feeling state, drag you back to. So what are those things that could drag us back to that day? What are those things that could pull us back? What are those things that we are being triggered by? So the simplest of them is it's a sunny day. So if you're walking around and it's a sunny day and you hear a screeching car at a break, you're triggered. You're back in that moment. Suddenly your day is now ruined because there's a glitch and the glitch has been activated. The glitch says sunny days are dangerous. Sunny days are hurtful. Sunny days are scary. Sunny days make me want to hide. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it has access to you more than you really have access to it because it starts telling you how bad it feels. Right. Got it. Yeah. So when we think about how it has access, it seems independent of whatever happened that day. So I call it a shard. I call it like a piece of metal. If you have like a grenade that explodes, the pieces explode and they melt. They're so hot because of the explosion. They melt, so they bed themselves into the person. That's what happens with the trauma. When it explodes, it embeds pieces of it in the person. That's what Young Advanced Motor Processing works towards. It works towards removing those embedded pieces. Mm -hmm. so usually what we know about um, trauma is that the longer it's there the more pathology has built around it which means that the more the, the longer you have not had it treated or had not seek treatment, what happens is, is that all these buffer zones around the pieces that trigger me like it's a sunny day. What do I do if it's a sunny day and I live in Florida? Every day is a sunny day. It's going to drive me nuts. Am I going to wait till the evening to walk out and see people? Right? So yeah. all these things have to be remembered, even though not every sunny day is going to trigger the same memory. But if there's a screeching car, it's going to trigger it. Because if one stimuli does not trigger the event, two stimuli that are connected to the event will trigger it. So two associated, so the sound 
and the sunny day. Now, if that doesn't trigger it, the sound will trigger that. If the sound doesn't trigger it, then the heat of the day will trigger it. If you had felt hot that day, how were you feeling before you heard the sound? Yeah. So this is how we kind of pick up everything that's in the environment. These are the shards. These are the pieces that embed themselves. Also, my fear. Isn't your fear a result of that initial trauma or the... Whatever is set in motion, when my fear is set in motion, my fear of, as soon as I disassociate, my fear, basically, disassociation is right before the fear state. So when you disassociate, you're basically trying to disassociate from the fear. So in those moments, that's shock. Mm -hmm. Right. So in the stasis of shock, you're in shock. Is something else happening to you is the question. Yes. Just because you're in shock does not mean you're still not observing what's going on. Mm -hmm. You are still hearing. There's a dampening field, but you're still hearing. You're still picking it up. You might not be able to decipher it. It might not be clear to you, but you are taking in enough of it that later on, it's going to be a problem because you're not going to remember all the pieces and the trauma, the effects of the trauma are worse because it's pieces. It's fear. It's uh, anxiety. It's irritation, but they're pieces. When they are triggered, they're pieces. And those, as the pieces grow, that feeling state grows within you. Mm-hmm. So this is the complex. And and the, the growth of that feeling state, the growth of the complex, the repetitive, the hook of the complex, and that is what you're describing as the glitch? The glitch is, is, is the... Uh, is that feeling state that arises because you are triggered. It's repetitive. It's repetitive. It sends you back to the moment in time where it happened. You're stuck in that moment in time. So every time you're triggered, you go back to that moment in time and you go through it again. I don't want to go through it again, people say. I don't want to go through it again. I don't want to think about it anymore. Yeah. All right, so a lot of people in their lives probably had an event and, or maybe you know somebody who has had an event and they are very, very strongly, they avoid topics um, or they avoid situations uh, and they say that very phrase, I don't wanna go through it again. I don't wanna go there because I don't wanna deal with that. Yeah. So that's an indicator of someone who is caught in their glitch yeah. Yes. yes. Absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what about the their willing? Of- what about their willingness to 
reflect on it like Positive. almost like almost reminiscing though because mm -hmm. you know in the first chapter of the book oh. is what i'm referring to reminiscing is a um maybe a symptom Can it's, I, it's part it's part of the it's part of the the glitch the mm -hmm. reminiscing starts because there's an energy pulling you towards something because there's a there's a gap. You don't see it. You don't see this energy. You don't see this feeling state. When it starts tugging at you, it pulls you through. It feels like you're reminiscing. You start to feel haunted by something. You start to think of what, what am I disturbed by? I don't mm -hmm. want to think about that thing. I'm thinking about it now. As soon as I said that to myself, I am back there. I don't want to think about it, but I'm there now. It doesn't matter what I say anymore. I'm already there. So that's the glitch because it leads you back to the same place. So yes, reminiscing would be like the hooks to pull you back into the glitch. It's all and pieces of the same pattern so so think of it this way it's like if somebody's pointing in a direction says oh, go forward there's another person pointing go left then there's another person going go right then the other person goes no no go left and so what they have you doing is you're basically in the same sphere walking around in a circle they got you walking around in a circle. Okay, why, why am I walking around in a circle? It's because what happened that day has been disconnected from my psyche. It's been disassociated. I've pushed it away because I was terrified of it at the time. Now, those pieces that are missing are causing chaos internally. They need to be reconnected because they're feeling states. Well, hold on here. So for those, again, that are new to this, this concept or, you know, what we're discussing here today, I mean, what does that mean, for example, for someone, let's say, I reminisce frequently with one of my close friends about a time where I used to go hunting, for example, at my grandfather's uh, cabin. And we mm. used to stay there. And uh, it was something that maybe we did, you know, once a year or a couple times a year. And it was, you know, a weekend. And, um, uh, you know, it was, a, it was like a positive memory, right? Yeah. It, was, it, was a, it was a tradition, okay? Yeah. So it was kind of like a ritual. And it, you know, is with family and it's an activity. It's kind of like, you know, as a, as a boy or, you know, or girl, you know, you're learning something new, you're creating a bond with, you know, uh, in this case, maybe a grandfather and, and doing that. So if I reminisce about that, does mm -hmm. that mean that, I mean, forgive me for asking maybe something that has an obvious answer, but like, does that mean there's something there that there's more to that? 
potentially like or is this reminiscing specifically in the context of where there is a known trauma does that make sense it's a strong emotional pattern yeah so the trauma is a strong emotional pattern experiences where you felt loved and cared for and held yeah and felt safe is Uh a strong emotional pattern so the psyche goes back there to feel safe so you're still glitching but the difference is is that the first glitch takes you back to the point in time where you felt the worst this one takes you back to the point in time where you felt great. You felt safe. Interesting. And they could, and they both could be contained in the same complex. What does that mean? So Lisa, the connection is to the father or the grandfather (laughs) or the grandmother. It's Uh It's a paternal or maternal type of connection. Right. Then that's connected to um, the father complex. So if the father was a really positive figure, then there's a lot of positives around the father. Right. So later on, as you get older and older, not you, per, just for example. Right. You find out that the father was not as good as you thought he was. Now there's a trauma. So the complex, basically, that it contains that piece. It says, okay, well, they knew him differently than I did. Then it becomes a defensive issue. Okay. So the way the brain works and the way the psyche works, if you think about it, is the same. It has the same principles. If something good happens, that's an overwhelmingly good, you want to re-experience that day. It was such a beautiful day. It was so amazing. Uh You had such a great time. You've never had a time like that in your life. And you have something that was, that brought you down to your knees in tears, that type of day. Those two days right sit at opposite poles but they sit on the same line in the mm-hmm. psyche mm-hmm. yeah so they kind of indicate or show you different things about where you're at in your present life yeah why would you reminisce on something that's overwhelmingly positive why would you reminisce to and something that's horrible? Yeah. The thing that's horrible is dragging you back. The negative pull drags you. You start to feel it. It's like a magnetic pull. It's like, I'm not feeling good today. Somebody will say, okay, well, why, why aren't you? I'm just not feeling good today. You see a friend who hasn't seen you in a long time and he's not doing well. He says, do you remember that great time we had at your grandpa's place when we went hunting? 
And you go, yeah, I remember. That was a great day. So your friend might need it more than you did. So as you talk about it, you're probably energizing each other. Right? And this is positive energy. These are things that we do. These are not negative yeah. things. These are positive things. But if we wanted to understand why there is movement towards that. So what Jungian advanced motor processing does is it we basically you go into a hypnotic state. And within the hypnotic state, we basically start to pull out these shards of trauma. And that, those shards, those symptoms, those pieces, end up resolving the glitch because they're moved. They're no longer throwing you into a circle. They're no longer sending you back to that moment in time. Because the energetic pattern or the energetic hook of that complex of that mm -hmm. representation is no longer in control or dominating your true self it is more integrated within yourself as a part of your history without um moving you and your priorities or your um your immediate emotional reaction and displacing you or disassociating you. It doesn't dominate you like that anymore. And, yeah. and so you stop walking in that circle and you start to exit that circle and start to walk about freely. And this is yeah. where the, where Jamp allows for that freedom of movement where before those energies held you in that glitch. So you take something from the emotional side of the brain to the logical side of the brain. Right. So exactly what Lisa's saying. So you're moving one thing. I'm feeling something, but I don't know what to call it. And the other side of the brain goes, shut up. You're just being stupid and scared. You don't have to be scared. But this piece, we don't understand it. So what Lisa's saying is now we understand this piece. So energetically, as it moves, it connects to, oh, you were afraid of this. It was the sound that kept triggering you. Oh, now I understand. It's the sound. When you went downtown for that interview, it was the sound of the car hitting the brakes that sent you into that whirlwind. That's why you blew the interview. Oh, now I understand what happened to us. Okay, because the more traumatized you are, the more pieces of you you're talking mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. You're having conversations with multiple complexes. No, no, I can take care of this, as you assure yourself. And the other part is like, you can't take care of this. Last time you took us out, you almost killed us. So there's this fear, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also housed in like a paternal way. Like, you, you need protection. So I'm going to touch base and expand on that, too, for yeah. 
for Whitman. Um, you because you mentioned the uh, the the father archetype. There are lots of different archetypes in Jungian terminologies, and they all carry an energy or a lot of a lot of Jungian terminologies are very symbolic. Archetypes are very represented in, in symbology, and so a, a, assigning a, a a figure like a father figure, a mother figure. These are part of the symbols and understanding the complexes, and complexes are is housed under there are lots of different ways to use complexes in representing um like a father a mother figure or our persona how what it is that we show to the world our hidden um drivers that that come out of us out of the blue then we're like whoa where'd that come from i don't know where that came from but that is also part of you uh, the unknown other or the shadow all these different energies that are a part of us and are shown, um, and we use words like complexes that are part of the union terminologies. Um, um, and that's part of uh, what we're going through in in our jam. Yeah. So the, so the complex would be, the complex right. is an archetypal energy, is what, you know, too. That's what we talk about. It's an archetypal energy. Okay, what is an archetypal energy? It's an energy basically since the beginning of time, since the Big Bang has been, it's been moving through the universe in creation, <clears throat> in creating things, in creating people, in creating um, plants, animals. Um, that energy is... the energy of creation is archetypal. And that, that energy is also protected. So when we have a trauma, it, the complex is born. The first trauma is birth. You're ripped out of your mother and then you're like grabbed and you're held up upside down. That's the first trauma. The complex is born because they put you back in the arms of the mother. So the complex is born. You've been traumatized, but now she's soothing you. So now you're soothed. But the complex is born. So that energy is protective. Then energy keeps you from being completely overwhelmed. For example, of losing somebody who you dearly love. That energy is there to keep you safe. The problem is, is that the complex in itself is not a solution. It's a temporary fix. And if it's not worked through, then it starts to turn on you, basically. So your own safety, basically it's a house that's basically locked you in now. Yeah, can I go to that, this um, chapter two? Yeah. In defining rea reality, or the chapter is called 
the beginning, the end, and the story in between. But this, mm. what you're what you're just describing, goes right in, and it goes into um, what you were saying, Whitman, about just reliving and reminiscing. Uh, mm. And so, in regards to the trauma, uh, uh, you say here, uh, Lahab, when we hold on to who we were or what happened in the past, we carry a reanimated corpse around with us. Mm. As you continue to age, you unwittingly experience these little deaths. You continue to carry more and more reanimated corpses around with you. And the result is a heaviness that almost gravitationally pulls you back to your glitches without you uh, realizing it. So the original mm. trauma happens there is a transit, these traumas can be anything from losing your first pet, dropping your first ice cream cone on the ground to larger major ones. Um, you, you had, you were, you became a refugee. There was war that broke out in your home. You had to leave. There, there are all sorts of deaths, little deaths that happen that force us to grow and change that become pretty big things at those moment and reverberations later. Um, the, so you carry these animations. You continue later and say, this new version of yourself was built on the backbone of all of your past selves and experiences. Nonetheless, it can be difficult to, to transition between the death of your past self and the birth of your new self. Mm -hmm. It can actually become a traumatic event if it's not handled with care. You say yeah. a lot of things in this little paragraph here. <laughs> Yeah, so development <laughs> development occurs, and if something disrupts development, then what you have is um, an unfinished stage in life. And that unfinished stage is an animated ghost. It's a corpse. It's a corpse because it's no longer needed. It was a stage between, let's say, the age of two and the age of four. But you weren't able to go through it because you were traumatized at the age of two. So now you carry this ghost, this corpse that didn't develop, but is constantly pulling you back there, pulling you back to that point in time where life was not the way it should have been. So what is happening here is the glitch is also trying to course correct. It's a glitch. There's a reason there's a glitch. It's trying to course correct. It's like it's trying to fix something. It's not fixing anything. It just has you trapped back in that moment. So as you go along, the more traumas you have, the more corpses you carry around because they have disrupted your development. They've taken you off course. They've taken you off the road. And the longer you spend outside the road, the more you have to fill in the gaps. There are pieces of you that seem to have holes in them that are constantly pulling you in. So it's the five-year-old who's scared. It's the 10-year-old who's scared. It's not the 40-year-old who's scared but it doesn't matter. The five-year-old's terror will turn the 40-year-old into a whimpering five-year-old. 
because their experience of the corpse is that it's animated. Mm -hmm. It lives. That's just one example. That five-year-old kid could also turn that 48-year-old into an over-amplified aggressive bully. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It could be a manifestation of all sorts of things. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It could be rage. It could be fear. It could be aggression. Right? It could be shame. But these are all pieces of the original trauma. So yes, it could turn them left or right or right or left. But if you know the trauma, then you know which way they're going to turn. The trauma is going to turn you in that direction. Because you've been conversing with the corpses of the trauma. Trauma is long past. You experienced it when you were five. You're 40 now. That's 35 years. So what <laughs> has happened? You basically have built up a lot of layers of dirt trying to dampen it down. Trying to keep it from overwhelming you. And the more elaborate you, hey, you know, I, well, maybe therapy would help. Well, you know, why, why do therapy? Why do treatment? Why? That's the trauma. When somebody who's traumatized, they talk themselves out of, why do I want to bring it up? Why do I want to open that gate? Oh, why do I want to feel this way? I, I've got it under control. I, I'm comfortable with how I'm dealing with it right now. Yeah. I'm better this way. Mm -hmm. I, know, I know how to make myself calm. So you spend all your energy doing what Lisa's talking about. You're trying to hold it together. Right? That's what you're saying. I'm holding it together. I'm holding it together. I'm holding it. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. It's holding you, but you're not mm -hmm. holding it. And that's what I mean by it revisits you. Mm -hmm. And that's the scary part of it. It just shows up at your doorstep. Say, hey. And you're like, not today. <laughs> we have guests. <laughs> I'm supposed to entertain. Mm -hmm. Please not today. But it's too late, right? And sometimes that those walls and those boundaries that we put up that are not necessarily processing the trauma becomes a security blanket. And it becomes a point of, no, I have it under control. And this is mine. And I identify with that. And it is a part of me now. And that's, <laughs> that's another part that... I see yeah. That becomes the psychic prison. We create these, these shields, these walls around us to keep us safe from the re-experiencing the trauma. Mm -hmm. And the more we do that, Lisa's a perfect example of safety blankets. The more we isolate ourselves from the rest of the world, because now 
I can't deal with like the sun. I can't deal with the sound. I can't deal with people. I can't deal. I can't deal. I can't deal because it's been now grossly associated with everything. How do you? I live in Florida. Go ahead, Lise. How do you talk to someone who feels that strongly? Because a lot of any any opportunity to be free is a willingness to change. If, if you want to be, if you want to shake the shackles of that glitch, you have to want to, you have to be willing to think that you are going to do it differently. Mm. What do you think? Rick? I was going <clears> to, <throat> um, sort of initially uh, kind of ask if you could um, give an example or maybe rephrase because I'm not quite sure okay what you mean do things differently um, for example but the question is to me do things differently I think we just um Try to apply a real life example to someone who is um, secure in their methodology. Well, nobody's secure. It's just a. It's it's just distance and uh, my my need to keep people at bay. I've learned ways to cope, but they're not really happy ways. They they use huge amounts of energy and time and keep me isolated and keep me in a negative state and mm -hmm. keep me from having people around me, keep me yeah. from having conversations, keep me from feeling better about me. It becomes such a, so anybody who says they're safe within their pain is a hostage to themselves. They're a hostage to the trauma that originally started. Nobody has a safety blanket that keeps them safe. Remember, when you say safety blanket, it's always interesting because the safety blanket is what the child uses to keep them safe. The blanket is no longer safe, keep you safe as an adult. Hmm. Right? So, so go on. No, no, no. Uh, so there's something that's... Um kind of interesting in terms of the um the timeline here and it sounds like we're addressing or looking at it through this lens of lots of time has passed well in the book yeah. we go through time is not linear yes but Relatively speaking, there is a difference between 40 years and two years. Correct. Um, it's closer to the surface. How do we, yeah, how do, how do maybe we can compare those? Because I'm thinking specifically of a time in my life when um, I had to work hard on facing certain things soon after they occurred versus um on the longer term you know yeah relatively speaking and it was 
um, maybe those things hadn't become calloused so much, you know, or like encapsulated in their own, you know, how, yeah, how trees do that thing where if there's a, if there's like a bacteria or some type of thing that, have you ever seen them in the forest? They actually, it's like a bulbous, um, encapsulation that actually happens and it's because something foreign got in there that's you know yeah not not that shouldn't be there so the tree kind of creates this you know isolates it and then keeps growing or something you know yeah yeah i mean we do the same yeah so so we keep growing but if it if something happens to us two years ago that could be resolved faster than something that's happened 20 years ago mm. just because we could access all the pieces sooner the calluses haven't built it's not been isolated there is not a huge scar tissue around it and we have to keep peering into it so will jamp address those shorter um more or shorter term and Four sessions. Yeah. If yeah. You, that's you, you big... had... Go ahead, Lise. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is is Jamp is more effective uh, the 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 sooner you enter treatment after an event occurs. Hmm. In general, that's faster. Yes. Yeah. Faster. It's still effective on long term, but it oh yeah it works faster. Yes. Much faster. That's really interesting. Yeah, well, the, Lisa was describing how you people who wrap themselves in safety blankets all the time. So this is less, and you're describing the tree wrapping itself in safety blankets again. Mm -hmm. And so the more blankets we have to get through, the more calluses we have to get through, the more, the, the more scar tissue we have to go through. Mm -hmm. But once you access it, it's the same as accessing the two-year-old trauma. Mm -hmm. Once you access it, once you, once you have your finger on the pulse of it and you know where it's beating, because basically what you do is you go through the safety blankets. You're like, okay, why do you do this? Okay, why do you do that? Okay, so you, you don't go to social events because they trigger you, okay? But you go to family events and those trigger you also. Okay, yeah. what's the connection, right? Yeah, it's an interesting example. Yeah, yeah. so what's the connection? Why, why <clears throat> do you go to the family events but you don't go to public events? Well, I have to. So now it's interesting, right? Hmm. It's interesting, okay, why do I have to be here and not there? Hmm. It's, is it social, is it? But usually it's like the trauma has happened within the family. You're trying to resolve it within the group. You're mm -hmm. unconsciously drawn back into it. Mm -hmm. Your psyche, a part of your psyche is telling you, you need to resolve this, by the way. You cannot walk around with this. I remember when I was in um, college and um, I was having a difficult time. And I said, okay, I'm going to shut all this out and pretend it doesn't exist. And I'm just gonna concentrate on my 
finals. And I'll deal with it when I'm done with finals. So I was done with finals. I didn't want to deal with it. So I could feel it. It was like, it was behind the curtain and it was like peeking at me going, you know, you have to deal with this shit, right? Mm -hmm. You have to think about this issue. You have to feel this issue. You have to resolve this issue for yourself. Yeah. You can't keep running away from this issue. Right. That's connected to the trauma. Because I'm so scared of it. I don't, I don't really want to face it. Facing it, I always feel like I'm going to be beaten down again. So why do I need to face it if I'm going to be beaten down? I'd rather avoid it. Right? So it becomes a real source of uh, torment for people. Especially people who have gone through treatment like have gone through psychotherapy and it hasn't worked or have done um, SSRIs and it hasn't worked. People who have gone through different treatments and it has not worked, cognitive behavioral, whatever it is, JAMP is for them. Because JAMP is not a prolonged psychotherapeutic treatment. It is a treatment that's targeted towards the shards, the pieces of traumatic affect. And it is there to pick out those pieces. Once you pick them out, you could have a psychotherapist while you're doing JAMP. JAMP is not psychotherapy. So you yeah. could have your own psychotherapist. You could have your own counselor you could have your own social worker you could have your own psychiatrist does not interfere in that what we're resolving is the glitches the trauma the glitches that are caused by the trauma because nobody remembers if the glitch was there or the trauma was there first this becomes a chicken and an egg story i don't know i always have done this okay Interesting. Okay. Why have you always done this? Yeah. Okay. But somehow they'll talk about the trauma separate from that. Yeah. And you'll say, do you see that they're connected? No. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. So because think about it, the brain is defended and protected you by keeping these two things separate. So even when you think about them together, you don't see the connection. You have basically used psychologically a way to keep them separate in your head. I think that brings up an interesting point in that it's, it's, you know, that we have memory, but we also have a visceral reaction, a gut reaction. We, our body, our body has a, a memory attached to these incidences and it's still there, even though all the other days our body feels fine, our heart rate's normal, but every now and then this things happen in our environment, like, okay, we're, we're, we know we are entering a, a social environment. 
And there is that sense of obligation of interaction or presence. So that in itself creates, there is a reaction to your body, in your body, uh, that that and where that's part of where the jamp is trying to pick out those shards in your memory and in your body and in your psyche mm -hmm. to, to actively remove it from a different perspective than talk therapy. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It reconnects. Uh -huh. It reconnects those pieces that it targets. It reconnects them to um, now it's not just an emotional piece. It's connected to an idea. It's connected to a place and time. And now I could store it away as a symbol. I don't mm. need to keep holding on to it as a feeling state that I'm that triggers me, that buzzes me. Mm -hmm. Basically buzzed. When you're triggered, you're buzzed. You feel it. You feel the hair on the back of your neck standing, mm -hmm. right? Because what's buzzing, as Lisa was talking about, what's buzzing in your body is because it's so far away from the logic center. It's in the fight and flight mechanism. It's caught deep down in what we call the lizard brain. Because that's information that I almost got killed. So that information is important. I need to store it in a safe place just in case it happens again. So trauma is stored in the old brain. Mm -hmm. And therefore it's hard to access because the lizard brain doesn't want to give it up. Mm -hmm. It's life-saving shit. I don't want to give it up. Survival. Right? I don't want to give it up. Yeah, but you don't need to pick out fruit. There's actually a market. Nope. I might run out of fruit. But if you keep storing fruit and it keeps going bad in your house, you're going to get evicted. Nope. Need the fruit. <laughs> so people will hoard. And that's basically those old instinctual elements that have run amok. They've just run amok. They're like, oh, okay, was, I need more. Yeah. So this leads us to the what you, you were describing in chapter four is of the spiral. Mm. Yeah. Shall we hold the spiral until our next episode? Sure. Okay. So in our next episode, we're going to start with the spiral. And Dr. Lisa is going to take us through the spiral. And then we're hmm. going to go through chapter four to chapter eight, chapter 10. We're going to move into the book slowly and talk about different concepts. Like I said, we're not reviewing the entire book. We're just kind of talking about concept, ideas, thoughts, the treatment itself. Um, so with that, Cool. We are, we are the four archetypes. Whitman is with us. Whitman, you want to say anything to our audience before we? Mm. 
Um, <clears throat> thanks for listening. And uh, it's, you know, this is really, um, this is really cutting edge uh, stuff. Um, and, you know, as far as a modality, as far as uh, a type of therapy, the way I look at it, um, you know, this is kind of tip of the spear, um, tip of the spear treatment. And uh, there's, it's really important to know about, I think. It's just really, I really believe that it's really important to know about. Um, you know, when I first started speaking to you about it, and learning a little bit, you know, and Lisa, like, there's a lot, there's a lot there, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah. And it's safe. Yeah. It's safe. Fast, it's safe. It's accessible. Um, we have several coaches who do it. So you don't. I'm not necessarily, I need to be the one who does the treatment. We have several people who do the treatment very well. Dr. Lisa does it very well um, and understands it. Um, so, yeah. Well, thanks, Whit. Yeah, thanks, uh, Lahab and Lisa, for having, having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's yeah. wonderful to have you. Thank you for your participation and support. And I love what you said about being safe. You know, that's one of those things like, yeah, you know, it really is. It's, it's, I thank you very much. Absolutely. With that, we are the four archetypes and we will see you, talk to you and communicate with you next week. Thank you for tuning to part one of the resolution of the glitch. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Al Samurai, Dr. Lisa Hong and Whitman Davis. You can also find us on the IFC's YouTube. Make sure to check out the JAMP Institute for Trainings and Magicians Call podcast as well. The IFC is a non-for-profit institution. We do not have any paid advertising for our podcast, but we do accept donations. All donations and contributions are tax deductible. You can find more info at instituteforconflict.com.